Castillo, thanks for talking to me today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So um, I, uh, it's funny, I, I deleted my Twitter account uh, years ago because I just, I, I found I wasn't able to say anything on the platform that was, you know, counter to the prevailing ideology. And so I deleted it and then I came back to it during the pandemic because I thought, you know, regardless of the garbage that's flowing through that through that platform at least maybe there might be some information as to what's actually going on in the world and like almost right away Theo Fleury pops up in my newsfeed and I was like holy shit Theo Fleury's got the gloves off man he's going for it <laughs> um so so I got to ask you I mean what was your motivation for for speaking up well you know I have a pretty extensive abuse uh history and uh you know i saw that the the government was abusing its people and uh you know i made a promise to myself many years ago that if i saw abuse that i was going to call it out and uh you know i was seeing you know um you know even before the pandemic you know i was seeing a lot of systemic government abuse happening and then you know right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I saw that, you know, the government was using manipulation, coercion, lying, stealing, cheating, you know, um, and, you know, like I said, you know, I was just calling out that, um, you know, that kind of abuse because, you know, let's face it, um, I have been in the space of trauma, mental health, and addiction for, oh boy, almost uh, 16 years now. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe the core of every single issue we have in society starts with unresolved trauma. And then you pick your poison as to how you're going to deal with that, uh, you know, emotional pain and something suffering that's left behind from those traumatic experiences. And, uh, you know, I saw the government firsthand using the pandemic to abuse, you know, the pe the very people that put them in power. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, man. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm a student of history and, and I saw a lot of the, a lot of the tactics that were used in, in previous uh, dictatorships being used oh, against yeah. the public and that that was actually what motivated me to speak up because we've seen this before it's happened um yeah. and and it never it never leads to a good place right and i mean oh god no no well, and, you know the the uh, the communist marxist fascist ideology been tried you know many times in in history and you know the only thing that comes out of that is mass death right that's that's about it. And, you know, we're seeing that now, you know, with the wars, you know, with the pandemic, with the vaccine, with, you know, uh, turbo cancer, you know, you name it, you know, where, you know, history always repeats itself. And that's why they're working so hard to delete history, you know, is, yeah. is they don't want people knowing about this shit and, uh, you know, what's going on. And what I see is, you know, I see, you know, the same script from 80 years ago, you know, uh, being rolled out exactly in the same, same way, in same fashion. And, you know, a lot of people, 
who, you know, uh, refused to, you know, go back into the history books and, and read and, and uh, you know, watch stuff, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing the exact same script 80 years later. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, um, where we are today, we are, you know, marching toward a widespread censorship of the internet. Um, you know, the attempt to stop these conversations from happening is mm -hmm. is there and very evident. Um, and I, I actually believe that the, the our saving grace is that our federal governments and the people involved in them don't quite understand how the Internet works. And so we're always, you know, two or three steps ahead of them in terms of technology. So I don't have too many, too many fears there. But, <laughs> you know, we're seeing. You know, I wrote a I wrote an essay yesterday that I published this morning about, you know, considering a depopulation agenda. And you know, myself, I'm a I'm a very practical sort of guy. I, I I'm not really big on conspiracy theories or anything like that. I've always kind of looked toward things that you can prove. But well, there's no there's no such thing as a, as a conspiracy theory. That phrase is being used to silence the truthers, right? Mm -hmm. Or or attempt to silence the uh, the truthers and ultimately what conspiracy theory is is it's pattern recognition and uh among the people who have the highest iqs on the planet is pattern recognition right so uh them trying to silence you know the most critical thinkers in the world is how they, they do it right you know uh, the CIA came up with the phrase after they assassinated JFK, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, here we are. Um, and, you know, basically in the last four years, all the conspiracy theorists, theorists have become prophets, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, look That's, at Alex Alex Jones, right? I mean, yeah. we we've we, we've reached we've reached a point in our reality where everything Alex Jones has predicted has has mostly come to be. And yep. now, now he's reemerging into the public co consciousness, less as a you know a screaming voice in the distance, and more of a more as a prophet for for where we are now. A guy yeah. who saw it a long time ago, and somebody who we should be listening to, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah well, so and, and and you know what the bad guys have going for them is you know, um, people don't believe that this kind of evil exists on the planet and you know a guy you know from a guy like myself who's seen it firsthand you know i was groomed and abused by one of the most notorious pedophiles in canadian history you know so i know evil right i know evil know what it looks like know what it feels like you know i i can spot you know that kind of evil and and uh you know we have 338 of the most evil people ever assembled in the history of Canadian government, uh, you know, carrying out this sick and twisted, insane, you know, agenda. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's where I was going with the with the depopulation thing. I, mm -hmm. you know, I've been mulling it over in my head for a while, just kind of like trying to trying to piece it all together and, and think about it in a practical way, right? Like, how can I explain this to people in a way that isn't 
going to make them turn and run, you know, because right. it's like, you, you know, people hear things like that and they're automatically, like, oh, he's crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I kind of went over the vaccine rollout because to me, that was that was the biggest piece of evidence. You know, we I, I spoke to Naomi Wolf um, uh, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, actually, and um, she's assembled a team at her website, uh, Daily Clout, 3000 mm -hmm. doctors, experts, scientists, <clears throat> and they're yep. po they're pouring through the Pfizer trial data. And it's about four hundred and fifty thousand pages. Yep. And you know, this is not a stupid woman, right? She's a Rhodes Scholar. She's a best-selling author. She's, you know, by all means, not the person you would imagine doing that job. Yeah. And um, what they found is um, that most of the focus in the trial data is on the reproductive system. Yep. And and that, you know, they Pfizer knew that these vaccines were going to kill people. They knew that... Um, they knew that the lipid nanoparticles when concentrated in say, you know, the, the female reproductive system or even the male reproductive system was, was de degenerating the reproductive mm -hmm. systems. Right. And, and to me, that was like, I almost couldn't believe it when I heard it. And I had to go back and reread the documents again, because I've been reading them as, as they're released and yeah. it's, it's horrifying. Like they knew, and that was the immediately like, yeah, well, if, if there isn't a depopulation agenda, then, then what is it then? then why, why yeah. would they do this? Yeah. You know? Um, so, so I got to ask you, I mean, dude, you're a legendary athlete. You're, 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 I don't think there's a Canadian who doesn't know your name. Mm. So when you spoke out, did anybody from the league or any other athletes reach out to you? Like, Hey, Theo, what is going on? No, no, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I think at the beginning of COVID, you know, when I started speaking out, you know, there was, you know, there's obviously a lot of detractors and, you know, they, they were using my past story, you know, because I ex basically told everybody I struggled with mental illness and all this stuff. And so they took all that information and they were using it against me saying I'm crazy and, you know, I've lost my mind and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, uh, um, but people, what people don't remember is, you know, I was a villain every night in every opposing building. So, you know, I'm used to, you know, having detractors or, you know, people who, you know, uh, talk negatively about me. So I was, you know, I was, <clears throat> it was a familiar feeling right um but here here's the thing for 27 years i carried a secret around okay and and so i was ne I, I i was never my authentic self right because basically by hiding a secret i was living a lie okay 2009 i told my story got rid of the secret stepped into my authentic self stepped into my truth and all of a sudden i was this hero right and you know and so when the pandemic came about you know uh i was speaking truth and because i was speaking truth guess what happened they tried to cancel me mm -hmm. right but you know, in the famous words of Kid Rock, you know, I'm uncancelable, right? <laughs> because I went after those people as hard as they were coming after me. And I know 
that these people are cowards of the highest level, right? They use, you know, words and, uh, you know, they hide behind their computers. Uh, they don't put their real name attached to their profiles. Their pictures are not their authentic pictures. So I know that these people are cowards, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I know that Klaus Schwab is a coward. I know that Bill Gates is a coward. I know that, you know, because I played against a lot of these guys, you know, and that's the biggest reason why I had success is because I could navigate on the ice. I knew who all the cowards were and I knew who all, who all the competitive guys were, right? And that allowed me to have the success that I had as a hockey player because I figured out that, you know, 80% of the guys that I was playing against, they were bluffers, right? Mm -hmm. And it's no different in this in this game that we're playing now that, you know, the majority, you know, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, you know, all these people are cowards. They're cowards because they lurk behind the scenes. They don't actually put themselves out there and they don't, you know, they use these pawns, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, George Soros, you know, these people, you know, are pawns in their, you know, in their game. And so I know that they're cowards. And when I know people are cowards, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid at all, you know, and, and I've taken that attitude, you know, throughout this whole pandemic and, uh, you know, come and get me, come and get yeah. me and find out, come and get me and find out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, right. dude, yeah, no, you're a badass dude. I, I grew up in Vancouver. Whenever we played the Flames, it wasn't, oh, we're playing the Flames. It's like Theo Fleury is going to punch a couple of our European players in the face tonight for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so I want to get your perspective on 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 the current status of our country, like where we are right now. What are your thoughts? Yep. Well, we're in a spiritual and psychological war, right? Uh We've never experienced anything like this in our whole entire existence on the planet. And, uh, and so, you know, through my journey, you know, I've become a very highly uh, evolved spiritual being, right? That's why none of this has affected me is because, um, you know, at the end of the day, God wins and you have to trust in the fact that God wins. And so whatever bullshit they're throwing out there, uh, all I'm doing is I'm working on raising my own personal vibration and getting right with God. Those are the two things that I'm working on. Because when I work on those two things, it doesn't really fucking matter what the other side does. Because at the end of the day, if God doesn't want me on this planet, I'm going to a way better place. I'm moving on to the next, you know, level of my spirituality, right? And I will come back in a different form or whatever. Uh, but, you know, that's basically all I'm working on, right? And speaking truth, right? I'm calling out these fucking cowards who are destroying the planet, destroying people physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, and, uh, um, you know, just trying to discern truth. And, yeah. and, and when you do that, you know, God takes care of you, 
right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. You know, man, it's it's incredible you're saying that because I've gone through my own transition this year. Um, you know, roughly back early summer, I I I act, I, I heard God calling me back, and you know, you know it. I, you know, I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but when you hear it, it's it's like nothing you've heard before. You know it the moment you you hear it, and so I've just recently kind of reestablished myself spiritually again. And, and, you know, I, it's funny, because I was explaining it to somebody as, you know, I'm concerned for the future, but I'm not afraid. Yeah, you know, because whatever happens, I, I know, I know, I'm on the I'm on I'm on the path God wants me on. Yeah. And I am I am where I I am supposed to be. And, and, you know, yeah, I'm concerned. I mean, I think we have some very hard times ahead of us. I think I think we're going to have to endure a lot. Oh, yeah. oh, but, yeah. but, you know, I think just having that spiritual foundation and that that connection is is really what is going to, I mean, for for people who have it, it's what's going to get us through. It's what's going to pull us through it all. Yeah. You know, um, and so that's, what do you, you know, and you know, all the intuitive healers, medicine men, you know, all the people that I'm hanging around with and talking to, that's what they're telling me to do: raise your vibration and get right with God. So I'm not listening to politicians, right? Um, I'm listening to those people who, you know, um, who are, you know, God's disciples and God's warriors. And, you know, that's what they're telling me to do. So I'm, that's what I'm going to do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because at the beginning of COVID, like it, things were ugly, you know, like my mental illness showed up again, uh, full force. And, you know, I started having suicidal ideations again and you know i was uh you know i was in a really bad place but you know i had enough tools in my toolbox to know that god was trying to tell me something right that i wasn't finished you know healing all this trauma that i carried around in the majority of my life and so you know i really have focused over the last you know three and a half years of you know working on this stuff so i don't have to bring it into the next life i don't have to bring it into the next dimension you know what i mean or wherever wherever you know i end up um you know i want to be as evolved and as healed as possible you know for the next for the next battle because you know thinking about past lives you know or or you know blood memories or whatever you know i know that i've always been a warrior you know, I've been in probably the biggest battles on the planet over and over and over again. You know what I mean? So, so there's no coincidence that, you know, I've become this, uh, you know, this voice uh, in the freedom movement that, you know. Yeah, speaking no. Truth, speaking it, truth. You know? Yeah, I, I was, I, it's funny because like I was shocked the, the first few things I saw from you. And then I was like. It's Theo Fleury. Like, of course, of course, if anybody, if anybody's going to be speaking out, it's Theo Fleury. I mean, you're, you've always been a tough dude. You've always been balls to the wall, you know, don't give a fuck, you know, let's go. So yeah. it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think Canada is very fortunate to have your voice and, and very fortunate to have you uh, speaking out because there's so few, there's so few people who are willing to, right. to put their neck out, especially in this country. Like, you know, on this podcast, I talk to a lot of Americans and there are a lot of Americans who are kind of mounting a defense against this ideological mindfuck that everybody's mm -hmm. experiencing, you know, this cultural revolution that we're going through. Right. Um, yep. 
But in Canada, it seems like we just we have such an apathetic perspective. Like it's 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 like we don't want to hear it. We don't want to deal with yeah. it. Meanwhile, well, it's happening. And that's why we've been targeted by the globalists, because they knew, you know, that Canadians are nice, right? And, and you know, they don't say shit, even if, even if their mouth is full of it, right? And so we were targeted by the World Economic Forum, the UN, the WHO, you know, all these. They knew that we were a compliant nation. And, you know... We saw that at the beginning of COVID when they brought in all the, you know, all the bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, but I also know that, you know, Canadians have fought in many wars too, right? They fought for freedom. And I, I believe we've got a really long fuse. And when that fuse wears out, which hopefully happens sooner, you know, rather than later, but you know, I have the utmost confidence that when push comes to shove, you know, uh, there will be enough of us who, you know, get to the point where we say, you know what, you know, freedom isn't free. And, you know, we really have to stand up and fight for this. And there's lots of people out there. I've, I've you know, over the last four years, I've run into lots of people. Um, you know, we at Canadians for Truth, you know, our media company, you know, we do live events and, and I see lots of people who, you know, who are fighting for, you know, the same things that we are. It's just unfortunate at this point, it's not on mass, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, but because, because of the fear thing, right? And um, when the planet is vibing at a very, high rate of anxiety you know the bad guys know this right they know this and so you know uh it's all about fear right and if and and people who have had a history of trauma which is pretty much every single human being that lives on this planet has experienced trauma but if you haven't gone on any kind of healing journey the last four years is absolutely going to paralyze you and you are going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to think critically because you're only surviving. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, the bad guys knew that they knew, they know, they know psychological warfare. Right. And that's why they hate us. People who are, who are on a spiritual journey, who, you know, who wear the armor of God around them when we are, you know, we're not in our own homes. That's why they're attacking us and, and uh, whatever. But they also know that we can be affected by this psychological shit show that we're in, right? Yeah, and the, yeah. Then the, the insane are running the asylum. That's basically it, you know? pedophiles uh cannibalists you know these are the you know adrenochrome uh you know these are all the people that are running the world right mm -hmm. and they do not like us because we like i said wear the armor of god and all the angels and you know all all, all those things and and you know we can't be intimidated we we don't live in fear you know we we live in uh a different dimension you know 3d getting the 5d 8d 12d you know that's that's where we're that's where we're supposed to go and um 
you know, I, I, I was not a guy who meditated, you know, I'm, I'm a religious meditator now. And I listen to frequency, you know, I listen to frequency because they say for every ailment, there is a frequency, mm -hmm. right? You know, uh, I ground every day, right? You know, I have a grounding machine at home. I'm grounding so that, you know, that all this 5G shit and radiation stuff doesn't affect me. I'm always replenishing, you know, what, what they're taking out of me. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm all about that. You know, I am on a true spiritual, uh, physical and emotional healing journey, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, and, it's amazing to hear you say that because, um, again, meditation was something that I took up uh, over a year ago. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about, uh, depression and anxiety and, and your battles with it. And, uh, you know, I went through a really dark depression in my early twenties and I developed a bad anxiety disorder out of that. Uh, I conquered it of course with, you know, just mental fortitude and, and, and exercise, yeah. um, exercise yeah. was a big one. You know, I've been boxing for most of my life. So that, that really helped pull me out of it. Oh, but, yeah. but yeah, but I feel like people like, like yourself and myself, people, I, I think where depression stems from personally, obviously, you know, trauma and, and, and life ex, uh, experiences, but I also think it's, it's also a hypersensitivity to the, to the world around you and, and the mm. things that are going on. Right. 100%. And, and I think, you know, like with yourself and I know myself personally, when, when the pandemic began, I recognized what I saw, but, but my spidey sense, senses were tingling too, you know, and, and it's that hypersensitivity telling me, Hey, this isn't, this is much worse than what you think it is. You know, this, oh, yeah. this, this is, this is darker, start looking into it. And I think yeah. there's a, there's a lot of people like that out there that, that have that, that sensation that feel it. And, and yeah. I think we're all kind of in this, in this, you know, battle together now. And, you know, you talked about, um, you know, Canadians, we have a very long fuse, but we saw that fuse run out with the freedom convoy. And, yeah. and it, it, what was amazing to me was how people, I wouldn't even say on the left, I would say on the radical left yeah. maintained that, oh, this was a coup. You know, this like have you, you've never seen a fucking coup in your life. Like you have no, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. But but you know, that that they ate up the the bullshit that was fed to them through legacy media, right? And yeah. well, I think and it, they, they also they also carry the narcissistic gene too, right? And you know the narcissistic gene has caused more damage on the planet than probably any kind of disorder, right? Any kind of mental disorder. And, you know, but, you know, they say prayers, talking to God, meditation is listening to God, right? And thinking about the past is depression. Thinking about the future is anxiety, <laughs> right? So, what are we trying to do? We're trying to live as much as we can in the moment, as much as we can, you know, it's kind of a Buddhist mentality, but you know, they're the greatest meditators on the planet. Right. So, you know, um, yeah. And, and we focus, we focus way too much attention on them. Right. Which is what the narcissist loves. They love it, whether it's negative or positive, attention they love any kind of attention at all right 
And that's why it's really important when they state, say stupid shit, like you got to laugh right in their face because that to them is their kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but we feed into the narcissistic, you know, person, you know, look at Trudeau. He doesn't, he doesn't care as long as he's getting attention, whether it's negative or, or positive, which I can't see him getting a whole lot of positive attention but he loves the negative attention you know and we we feed into it and we play into it you know we chase him around and we you know if we just ignored him he would absolutely implode Mm. if we ignored him Mm -hmm. right because when you ignore the narcissist then then he starts to come become unraveled right it's just simple psychology right if you know anything or studied anything about narcissists, you know, that's their biggest fear. That's how they connect. They connect with negativity, right? And if you don't allow the negativity to create their connection, they, 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 they lose their ship. Yeah, I, I heard you one time. It's funny because I, I heard you once say, that you felt bad for him. And it's strange because I felt the same sympathy toward him yeah. at times too. Can yeah. you, can well, you go? Yeah. He's completely compromised. Right. You know, uh, and, and this is how the communists do it. Right. They use blackmail. Right. That's why Epstein is such a, uh, I don't even know what the word is. He is a, you know, very significant character in this story mm-hmm. because he was the guy they used to blackmail, right? Epstein Island is where they did all of this blackmailing, right? Because, and why don't they want the list to come out? They don't want the list to come out because it would take down, you know, the whole entire world government, right? Because they're, they're all, they've all, been blackmailed in some way shape or form and that's what trudeau you know that's what trudeau is he's blackmailed and he's so deep and so far in that he can't get out so he has to continue with this you know with this story with this narrative with the you know all all these things that are going on are you know that's how the communists do it that's how they get in power right Mm -hmm. you know and obviously, you know, they own the, uh, you know, they own the police, they own the judicial system, they own lawyers, you know, that's, that's how they do it. And that's how cowards do it, because they can't, you know, they can't rule on their character, you know, they have to be shady and, and you know, uh, sneaky and all these things, you know, it, it, and it's, if you know anything about psychology, this is it. This is the psychological war. And this is how they do it. This is how they get power. You know, they yeah. did they don't get power because they're some, you know, incredible prophet, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, that that kind of stuff. They they're on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, they're they're the degenerates on this planet, right? Yeah, they truly no, are. Yeah, they truly, they truly are. You know, they sold their souls mm-hmm. to this evil entity, right? You know, and that's, yeah. you know, and, that, you know, Trudeau actually thinks that he's going to get, you know, some, you know, big position, you know, at the end of all of this. They're going to dispose of him as soon as, 
you know, like, and all these people, like all these, you know, police officers and judges and, you know, they, they have no idea that they're being used. Right. Mm-hmm. They have no, no idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. They're, because... u- they're useful idiots. They are yeah. useful idiots in this, you know, this game that's being played on the planet right now. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I, my observation of him, I personally don't think he ever wanted to be prime minister. I don't think he wanted to be in politics. I think he, I think he wants to be on a beach somewhere and he, he was pushed into it. uh, From what I understand, his brother who passed away was the one who was actually being groomed to enter politics. And when his brother uh, died, I, I believe that he was pushed into politics as a matter of continuing the family legacy. However, you know, it just wasn't in his blood. He just wasn't really that interested in it. And it made him perfect. It made him perfect as a puppet because when you have a guy who's not interested in leading, he's not interested in knowing policy or understanding his population or really what the needs are, then you can pass them through a, young global leaders program yeah. with the world economic forum and they'll absorb yeah. everything because it basically provides their entire agenda for them. Yeah. Well, and you know, if you, you know, if you look into that family's history, you know, Justin is a very traumatized individual who's never, you know, done any healing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Right. Yeah. And he's, I see him as a very tortured soul. Right. And I have lots of empathy for that because I used to be one of those people. And I know, uh, I know that kind of pain, that emotional uh, pain, you know, that's left behind from traumatic experiences. So I have a lot of respect for that kind of pain. Right. Because I lived in it the majority of my life. Right. And now that I'm on the other side and I'm a healer, you know, I have to have empathy for, you know, these kind of people. And, you know, I pray for those people, right? You know, I pray for them to see the light and see, uh, you know, the craziness of their ways, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, you can just see it, you know, like you just see it, like you, you just see it in their eyes. And, you know, like when I watch Trudeau speak, I don't look at what I don't listen to what's coming out of his mouth. I, I look at his nonverbal communication. What's coming out of his mouth doesn't match what his body's saying. Right. It's almost the opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of shame uh in him there's a lot of guilt in him and you can see it non-verbally how he carries himself right he knows that he's doing bad things but because he's owned you know by these characters he has to play along with the game yeah yeah and i think i think personally i think christa freeland was installed to be his handler oh, I think. Yeah. like she's a true blue blooded nazi right 100 percent, right you yeah. know and uh you know there's another person who's you know 
going through something you just watch watch her nonverbal like watch her nonverbal like she's insane gone like gone right yeah she, she is so uncomfortable in her own skin she can't even she can't even stand still for more than five seconds without a twitch without you know whatever that's i know that feeling too you know i know what it's like <laughs> to be that yeah. uncomfortable in your own skin right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah i've i've observed her and i i mean personally i think it looks like she yeah it i've noticed that whenever they tell the big lies is when she's really oh, frenetic yeah. right oh, and yeah. and i think that has to do with you know knowing how deep how big the lie is and and how and, and how damaging it's going to be to to people because you can't i mean unless you're jeffrey dahmer or you know ted bundy you can't you can't function as a human being without having some sort of conscience about the things that you're doing and oh yeah I, well, I that's think that's the thing about you know i i work with pedophiles in the prison system okay in canada and what they tell me is you know don't let me out of this prison i'm like well why not well they go because even though i know that i'm doing something wrong the urge is greater than my own common sense. So think about all of these pawns who are playing this game on behalf of, you know, all these three letter agents, agencies. And think about that, right? Mm -hmm. the, the urge is greater than my own common sense. So even though I know that I'm doing uh, significant harm I cannot stop myself from doing that mm. how, how did you get involved in that type of work I just set an intention when I was writing my second book the lady that I was writing the book with Kim Barthel and I basically just said to ourselves we want to go work in the prison system because they're sort of the forgotten people and I knew that some way there was trauma connected to behavior and you know i knew that these people who were in prison were just traumatized little kids who became angry resentful and then took it out on society right and when i go into the prison system all i see now are hurt little boys that's that's i don't see adults i don't see people who are tattooed nothing i see incredibly injured little boys who are incredibly sad who have never dealt with their trauma that they experienced as kids right mm -hmm. you know and these guys you know i maybe have 15 20 layers of trauma in my story these guys have like 50 60 70 80 layers of trauma in their story and they've never dealt with it or nobody's ever explained to them you know why they do the things that they do mm-hmm right yeah yeah no for sure I, yeah um i i i know a guy uh well i don't know a guy he's a friend he's a corrections officer um here in alberta i moved my family to alberta during the pandemic because i was in bc yeah i was in i was in B well after the freedom convoy and everything that happened i i was like you know my whole family's from here my mom's Plains Cree Indian farm girl from Red Deer. My dad's from Cold Lake. So, oh, you know, nice. I've spent, I've spent half of my life out here. I was born in Edmonton and, yeah. um, 
um, you know, after the freedom convoy, my wife and I were just like, you know, we got to get to where the fighters are because when this, when this hits the fan, which it will, um, we got to be where people, where the people like us are because yeah. in, in BC, it was just, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of people there who were resisting, but it it was mostly a lay, lay down and die sort of mentality. Right. And yeah. You know, even the people who wanted to fight were like, well, what can I do? And it's like, well, if that's your attitude, then this is just going to be what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you you know, well, so. my suggestion moving forward is start meditating and start listening to frequency and start getting your vibration as high as you possibly can. Because when you do that, not only you're helping yourself, but you're helping the planet. Because it doesn't matter where you are. Once you carry that high vibration, you know, and there's a great book wrote, written about this whole theory. A guy named David, Hawk, David Hawkins wrote a book called Power Versus Force. And he came up with, he came up with um, the map of consciousness. So Google the map of consciousness. And, you know, there's certain levels and there's, there's uh, numbers and frequencies attached to that. And so basically he did an experiment. He went to the highest crime rate city in the United States, which is like, I think it's Baltimore outside of, uh, of Washington, D.C. And what he did is he had people go into that space and meditate every day at noon. And what happened was the crime rate in that particular place went down mm. just by meditating, just by raising the vibration and the energy around that uh, place where the, you know, the highest crime rate was, it lowered the vibration. So if you work on your own personal vibration, wherever you go in society, you're vibing at a very high vibration, which then you know, increases the vibration of whatever space you're in and people are going to be attracted to you and they're going to go, some about you can't put my thing on it, but what is it about you? And then I can have the conversation. I can say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is all I'm doing. I'm meditating and listening to frequency. That's it. Right. And that's getting me on a higher plane. Uh, my fear is less. My anxiety is less. My depression is less because I'm listening to frequency, right? Yeah, well, one of my all-time favorite quotes uh, from a guy named uh, Nassim Haramine, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but uh, he said, uh, uh, opening, the, 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 opening the, the human brain and looking for consciousness is like opening a radio and looking for the instruments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that's, yeah. Always, that's always stuck with me. And even now as I'm, you know, I've reestablished my, my relationship with God, you know, I, I view consciousness is a like a flow of energy through our universe yeah. right and your brain is 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 like a like an antenna you're picking up different signals mm -hmm. and and yeah. I, and and you know i've i've been talking to people about this uh on the podcast lately about a vibration that's in the air right now that i think a lot of people can feel like we're we're in the christmas season and the usual happiness and joy that comes along with this time of year seems to be absent this year and i think it has to do with there being a vibration in the air that people are picking up on, like something really bad is on the way. Oh yeah. And you know, when you look at the map of consciousness, all the world leaders, all the people that are in power vibe at the very lowest of that consciousness map, 
which then drags us all down to, to their level. And so if you're, you know, meditating and listening to frequency, you, you won't get sucked into that, you know, that sales funnel, which they, you know, which they've created, right? Yeah. You're going to, you're going to vibe outside of that and whatever they do is it's not going to bother you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So while we're on that subject, I mean, we're, we need, we need a change in our country, no matter what. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much longer we can go on before that fuse runs out again. And, right. you know, I've, I've spoken a lot about this, but my fear is that when that fuse runs out again, it's not going to be in the form of a freedom convoy. It's going to be in something, it's going to be a much more dramatic flare up. And I mm-hmm. actually, I'm, I'm afraid of that because I've, I've studied revolutions for a long time. They never end well. They, mm-hmm. they never go as intended. Right. And so, so, you know, Pierre Pouliev is making a, a huge push to toward, you know, he's obviously campaigning yeah. and he's trying yeah. to get an election um, in the next year or so. What's your what's your view on Pierre Pouliev? How, how do you feel about him? Uh, he's a part of the establishment. Twenty seven year career politician isn't corrupt, huh, you know, <laughs> right. You know, he spent his whole career in politics. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Anybody who's been in politics the last 80 years, they're corrupt, right? And it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. You know, they are owned by a bigger entity. That's simple as that, right? So, um, yeah, like I am, I'm a true blue patriot, mm-hmm. okay? I don't need government. I don't want government. Um, yeah, there are certain things that we need, you know, as a society to stay functioning, but we don't need 338 idiots sitting in the House of Commons every day. I would say we need 50 people to run the country, right? Infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, Um and, you know, part of the reason why we're, we're in this shit show is because of taxation and taxation is theft, right? It's theft. You know, there, there's no reason why in the, you know, one of the most resource rich uh, countries in the world where we're ha- having to pay 60% of what we earn to taxes, Right. And, uh, and when people can't afford a healthy diet and lifestyle, what happens? It pushes them right into the medical system, right? And so I would say probably the biggest thing that needs to be done is the whole entire taxation system needs to be revamped, right? Because we don't tax a business until they're profitable. So why are we taxing people? that aren't profitable yeah yeah no i because of and because of that they can't afford a healthy diet and lifestyle which then pushes them right into the medical system which is depopulation (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like it's not hard like it's not hard to figure out where these you know these insane people are pushing us towards you know um and yeah, like 
we need to blow up the whole entire system and start over, right? Yeah. There needs to be a new constitution, a new bill of rights and freedoms. Like they're, they're, because look at where we're at. We, we have that. And they just basically, you know, used it as toilet paper, wiped their asses with it and said, basically, you know, we're a full on tyrannical dictatorship and we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you can vote for Pierre Polyev, but he's getting voted into the same system that we're already in the biggest shit show on the planet. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, I'm uh, like, I, I had no idea at the beginning of this what because i didn't vote when i was playing in the nhl like you know what i mean i had no interest in politics and the only reason why i i got interested in politics is because i had met trump playing in new york right and i saw him come down the escalator and i'm like what the fuck is this guy doing running for president of the united states you know what i mean and you know then i started following because i didn't know if i was a liberal a libertarian patriot conservative like i had no idea what the hell i was and you know it wasn't too long that i figured out that i'm just a true blue patriot right Mm -hmm. you know i i i love freedom i don't need people fucking telling me what to do and how to do it or whatever you know i'm capable of looking after myself and you know as a citizen of canada you know i have three responsibilities pay my taxes, vote and stay out of jail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than, other than that, I don't really need government involved in my life in any way, shape or form. It's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when, the, when this all, when, when I was big on the Pierre Polyev wagon in the beginning, but now with all the constant sloganeering and the, and as more comes out, you know, I read a, I don't, again, I can't verify how um, the, the, if, if this is a real document or not, but I saw a document where he was a vice chair of a committee that was exploring central bank, digital currencies mm-hmm. and digital IDs. Um, well, but, Stephen, Stephen Harper got us into this fucking mess and he's a conservative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's only one party in Canada and it's the uniparty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So government has never had your best interest at heart ever, ever. mm -hmm. Right. It's a tax and spend, you know, philosophy. And, uh, you know, the majority of that money has been laundered to the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, you know, the 13 families that run this whole crazy operation. It's it's government is a laundering system to steal money from you know the hard-working people of whatever country you live in right these people have no moral compass nothing it's all about power and what's the worst addiction to have the addiction to power it's not drugs it's not alcohol it's not gambling it's not food it's not sex it's the addiction to power And we're seeing that being played out every single day on the planet. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, Yeah. I, um, you know, that, that actually brings me to my next question because with all of the turmoil in our country right now, uh, obviously we have a prime minister that I, 
I don't think anybody genuinely respects him. And, you know, going back to the sympathy that the sympathy that I feel for him actually kind of stems from, from that. He seems, as you said, like a guy who just really wants to be liked. Like he, he's a narcissist. He needs to be liked. He, he appreciates the, the, the attention, no matter which, where, what emotion Mm -hmm. is underlying it. But where my sympathy for him comes from is the fact that he's just, he's, he's at this point, he's just a punching bag, right? Like he's, he, he's, he's been, he's been, um, it's he's been exposed to somebody who really doesn't know what he's talking about, really doesn't have any interest in politics yeah. or policy. He's just a figurehead. He's just yep. an empty vessel for an agenda. And yeah. now as a human being, he's just taking a beating, right? I mean, he can't yeah. go anywhere without people screaming at him, you know, <laughs> telling him to yeah. eat shit, so on and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and for somebody who was forced into the position that he's in almost, I do kind of feel sympathetic for him because I, I just yeah. wish I just wish that he would be his own man. Say, look, I'm finally taking accountability for everything and I'm stepping away. Like I'm I'm obviously not good for the country. My my ideas and the people that are around me haven't been very good yeah. for the country for the last few but years. He can't. He can't. Right. He can't. You know, if he truly wanted to be a hero, mm-hmm. he would stand on the podium and say, hey, everybody, I just want everybody to know that I'm a part of this big, you know, scheme that's mm-hmm. going on. And I'm, I've been blackmailed. I've been, you know, all this shit. Like, I, I just want to come clean and let you know that this is what's happening, mm-hmm. right? He could be a true hero. And then that would allow us the opportunity to forgive him for what he has done. Mm-hmm. absolutely right? yeah I, and talk you about healing I, mean? I think it's yeah. the only way our country can actually heal yeah. Yeah. right it's is and, to have and that along rec- with yeah. all the other 338 politicians who've gone along with this you know with this scheme you know it's their opportunity to come clean and you know save humanity right yeah i just i just don't think he can because i think he serves this agenda and whoever is behind that, which, you know, we call it the world economic forum, but as time goes on, I'm more and more convinced that it's actually yeah, China. There's, there's a few more levels above, yeah, above, above know, that, the world, above the world economic forum. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think, don't know. I don't know if you watch, you watch the, uh, what is it? 29, 30 part series called the fall of the cabal. No. Watch that. It, it'll watching. probably take you 10 or 12 hours to watch it but at the beginning of covid i watched you know the first i don't know 10 episodes and, and they trace it all the way back to when the banking system was actually created and it goes through each uh you know decade and you know really puts the whole entire puzzle together as to how you know, we ended up in the situation that we ended up in, right? I'm definitely going to watch that for sure. Cause I, yeah. like I've been if reading, you can find it. I don't know if you can find it, but there was, a, there was another good one. It's, it's, it's a guy, he like filmed it himself on a VHS recorder in the nineties. It's think it's called like the money printers or the money men or something. Mm. Anyways, it's like, it's like 10 hours long and he goes through the entire history of yeah. the federal reserve yeah. and it's, it's 
fascinating and central banking in general like it, it also applies yeah. to canada right and yeah, yeah i mean we we're, we're totally being manipulated and controlled and i think you know talking about the spiritual aspect of it i think we're in this like crucial point for humanity where we are having a massive spiritual awakening you know i was a guy i never didn't believe in a creator i just went through my own stuff mm -hmm. in my life and I just kind of considered myself agnostic for the longest time. I didn't, right. I believed in a creator, but I didn't really know what it was. Right. It wasn't until, you know, this year that I was like, holy shit. Like it was like, I could, I, 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 the analogy that I use for, for God is it's like a electrical current flowing through Christmas lights, right. Flowing through yeah. a string of Christmas lights. And mm -hmm. some, a lot of those, you know, when you put, when you plug it in at Christmas, a lot of the bulbs don't light up. Well, that's the, the current's running through, but the bulbs aren't picking up the, the signal. And that's most yeah. people. But the bulbs that are lit up are the ones that are connected to the current. And, you know, I, I just connected to that current this yeah. year again, yeah. you know. And so so I want to you know, I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because your story is so fascinating and so and so inspiring because, you know, you're like I said, you're you're a guy who. I mean, I think one of the biggest arguments among hockey fans is why, you know, Theo Fleury needs to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, like immediately, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, like I said, you're, you're a renowned, you know, professional athlete, you're, you're not a guy who played in the league for a few years and disappeared, right? You're, like I said, as a Canucks fan growing up, you were Theo, oh, fuck Theo Fleury, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, for yourself, I mean, you, you've, how long you, you got sober, I think you said in 2009, is that correct? Five, 2005. 2005. So what's that journey been like for you having lived on both sides? I mean, do you ever look back on, on life and go, what a blur? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, obviously my career, you know, now that it's 20 years ago, right. Um, seems like a lifetime ago, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, what I realized is God always had a plan for my life. And the only time the plan went sideways was when I was running the show. Right. And, uh, you know, there there's many things that happened in my life that, you know, I look back and I go, you know, if this didn't happen, I probably wouldn't have, you know, had the career that I had, but everything just kind of seemed to fall into place. And, and, uh, um, but, you know, I, first and foremost, I was ultra talented, you know, uh, high, high skill level. But, you know, when I was a kid, I had enough, uh, cognizant realization that if I didn't work hard, that talent meant nothing, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, from the time I started playing hockey until the time I left home, what was I doing? I was, uh, you know, taking that raw natural ability and talent and I was practicing every day, you know, practicing every day on the fundamentals, you know, to get to, you know, what Malcolm Gladwell calls the expert level which is 10,000 hours of practice. So by the time I left home, I was an expert in, in hockey, right? Cause I put in 10,000 hours of practice and, you know, that's what ultimately set me apart from every other 
Canadian kid who was trying to make it was I got to the expert level as quickly as possible so that when I went to junior hockey, most of the guys I was playing against weren't at that expert level yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what set me apart. And that's what carried me through all of it was my talent. Right. There was a lot of nights that, you know, uh, I, I didn't have my A game, but it was my talent and my ability that carried me through, you know, all of those nights when I didn't have it. Right. Yeah. How, how many times were you told that you would never make it to the NHL? Oh, shit. I don't know. A million times. Right. Yeah. Maybe more. Right. But yeah. I didn't listen to the noise. I didn't listen to the noise because it was a reflection of them. It wasn't a reflection of me. I knew what I was capable of, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, when I got to junior and ultimately I got to the NHL level, I just kept getting better. Right. I just mm -hmm. kept getting better and better and better and better. And then, you know, when I got to the NHL, I realized that, you know, I was only going to get a certain amount of ice time being an offensive player. So I learned how to penalty kill. I learned how to play in the last minute of periods. I learned how to, you know, and that's, that's how I got more ice time was yeah. I became an all rounded player, you know? And yeah, I could have got 150 points a year, but you know, at the end of the day, that's not what wins championships. What wins championships is being an all-rounded hockey player, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, so like, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, the Scotty Bowman, Steve Eiserman story, right? So the, the Red Wings hired Scotty Bowman. Stevie Eiserman was getting 150 points a year. So Scotty and Stevie met before the season. Scotty Bowman said to him, he goes, uh, I want you to get 80 points a year and I want you to be our best defensive player on our team. And Stevie goes, okay, I'll do that. And Stevie, why won three Stanley cups? Because he changed, right. You know, we're seeing it in Edmonton, you know, until dry and McDavid decide that they're going to play defense, that team's never going to win a championship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, you know? no, it, yeah, it's so crazy, man, because these are the same things. I, I mentor a lot of young boxers, and these are the same things that I tell them, but applied through boxing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, yeah, fundamentals. It works, it works for every, yeah, you, every, you have, aspect, every aspect of life. Right? Yeah, yeah, everybody wants to punch their way out of a problem, and defense is what's going to get you out of that problem. I always tell them the exact same thing. Like, yeah. you, you know, you can sit there and, and bite down on your mouthpiece and swing, but you got a 50-50 chance of getting knocked out, yeah. right? But if you if you back off, relax, be comfortable, just move, be defensive, yeah. then that shot, that the winning yeah. shot will come, yeah. right? You just well, got to be patient. Floyd Mayweather is a billionaire because he was probably one of the best defensive boxers in the whole entire history of the sport. That's right. He never got hit. That's he right. Never got hit. That's right. Yeah. No, he was he was impossible to beat because he was impossible to break. Right. And. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man. I, so just to cap it off, cause I've, I've taken an hour of your time. I know you got important things to do. Um, can we talk about the Olympic experience, man? Because you were part yeah. of a, I mean, you were part of a legendary, you know, I mean, Canada, when we show up at the winter Olympics, basically it's like, don't even play Canada's here. Like we're, <laughs> we're coming. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but, the, but, but can you talk about your Olympic experience? Because you were part of a very special team with a lot of legendary guys. 
Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, the first time we went to the Olympics, we didn't really know what to expect, right? And ultimately, you know, we lost in the semifinals to, you know, uh, an individual skills competition, right? Because in the NHL, in the playoffs, it's called sudden death overtime, right? Because you play to the death, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the Olympics, you know, we got into a shootout. We didn't lose a game the whole entire Olympics. We get, you know, and what was interesting was we scored the, the Czechs scored the first goal in that semifinal game. And then they never came into our zone the rest of the, the rest of the game. Right. And, and so, you know, they were playing, you know, for that one, nothing win, but, you know, we just kept coming and coming in waves and waves and, you know, Trevor Linden whipped one in at the end of the game. And, and uh, you know, we, we went to the shootout. So, you know, you might as well put a fucking Scrabble board at center ice and had Patrick Waugh and Dominic Kashuk fucking play Scrabble for the win because, right. you know, uh, a shootout has absolutely nothing to do with a team sport, right. right? It's an individual skills competition, which absolutely has nothing to do with hockey. Like that's soccer bullshit you know <laughs> yeah and so when we went into the olympics in 2002 we knew what to expect and we had the greatest player in the history of our game running the team right which was wayne gretzky right and uh you know i played on the fourth line with brendan shanahan and joe nundike <laughs> Three thousand right. points 1500 goals and we were the fourth line right right Right. right. So it just goes to show you, you know, what kind of talent, you know, we had on that team. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, we lost the first game of the, of the tournament, but then after that, it was, you know, we just sort of got into this mode where we just knew we were going to win. Right. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And we knew that the first three games meant nothing of the tournament. It was about seeding, basically. You know, right. the first three games were about seeding. And so, you know, we took that time to get to know one another and hang out with each other. And, you know, and then once the medal round came, nobody was beating us. Nobody. Right. Nobody was beating us. What, what What's it like to play for Wayne Gretzky? Well... You know, he he demands so much respect that, you know, you, know, you just don't want to let a guy like that down. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had we had the second greatest player on the planet as our captain. Mario Lemieux. Yeah. Right? And then we had guys like Sackick and Iserman and, you know, those kind of guys that, you know, just, you know, quality human beings like they're great hockey players, but you know, they're even better human beings, right? You know, Joe Noondike, you know, another incredible human being, Brendan Chan, Lindros, you know, Korea, like, it was like this. I know, yeah, know? yeah, when, I, and, yeah. And, you know, that, but as kids, you know, we're, we're playing road hockey, we're, we're dreaming about playing in game seven of Stanley Cups, we're not dream about playing the gold medal game at the Olympics because it wasn't a reality then, you know, and, uh, but, you know, as an athlete, 
you know, that's, that's it. Like it doesn't get any bigger than that. Right. You know, the Olympics and, you know, that final game that we played against the Americans, 80 million people watched that game worldwide. Yeah. 80 million people. Yeah. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, as an athlete, that's where you want to be. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, no, I... that's, that's, you know, those 10,000 hours I put in as a kid, that was the reason why I did that. Right. Yeah, man. Was to, was to, you know, to have those opportunities to win. Right. You know, and behind me, you know, look at behind me. Right. You know, there, there's my, there's my championship rings, you know, uh, over here. Uh, there's my Olympic gold medal, my Stanley cup. Right. That's, that's why we play the game. Right. That's why you, you know, you choose a career in professional hockey is, you know, when you sign an NHL contract, they're paying you to win. They're not paying you to lose. They're paying you to win. Right. And uh, fortunately for me, you know, I had a lot of success and I had a lot of opportunities to win. And, uh, you know, that's to me is my greatest accomplishment in sports is I have six different different championship rings that's amazing man yeah yeah I think you know I told you before we started this but you know you're you're a testament to will and heart you know I, I remember being a kid a young kid and every time a a fucking game would come on that you were playing in Theo Fleury's Theo Fleury's too small he's too small to be playing here you know and then you'd come out and you'd, I mean, you'd dominate, right? Mm-hmm. And and guys were fucking terrified to get near you because you weren't afraid to 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 get busy either. And yeah. you know, it, it it's it's um it's so awesome to talk to you and to just know that you're a voice uh uh you know against mm-hmm. all of this ugliness in the world because you know you're you're such a strong guy, such a strong personality and you know, your motivational speaking, I watched your Ted talk in preparation for this. Um, and, you know, I watched a few of your other interviews too, but I, I, I really want to encourage people out there. Like if you're, if you're struggling with mental health or mental illness or any, any real or any struggles, really watch that Ted talk, because you had a lot of really important things to say. And I guess we'll cap this off. I just want to talk about your, your motivational speaking a little bit, because, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've a lot of people who, suffer through a lot of the things that you've been through in your life they internalize those things and i and and i think mate you did for a long time right i mean that's oh, where the, that's where the yep. addiction problems came from yep. but you've you've turned that around and now you're you're using your story to help millions of other people um mm-hmm. so so i guess with your motivational speaking and your your fire and ice talks uh, as well yeah. those are those are amazing as well you you recently talked to dr peter mccullough right yeah, we had uh, fifteen hundred people in Red Deer. Wow! For a live live studio audience, it was it was incredible. Uh, right. It really was. And and for me, what I took out of it was everything that I uh, was talking about is truth, right? Mm-hmm. That the vaccines are dangerous. You know, lockdowns were dangerous. Mask wearing was dangerous. You know, all these things that they were trying to tell us that, you know, was was saving us was actually hurting us. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what I got out of, you know, that interview that Jamie and I did with with Dr. McCullough, you know, Mm -hmm. and 
Um, and, and this is what I sort of realized is, you know, like we're very aware that we have a mental health pandemic on the planet and we also have an addictions pandemic at the same time sort of you know going parallel but nobody talks about the catalyst which brings us into those two spaces and that's trauma what happened to you right what happened to you nobody ever asked that question mm -hmm. right and that's trauma and so that trauma leaves us in emotional pain and suffering and what is emotional pain and suffering? Mental illness. And we can't see it because it's, you can't see it. You can't see emotional pain and you can't see emotional suffering. So now we're left with this pain. So how are we going to deal with this? Well, we're going to tend to gravitate towards the dark side of life and get involved in addictive behavior as a coping mechanism to suppress the emotional pain and scars that are left behind, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then we come to that ultimate place. Am I going to live or am I going to die? And that brings us to our knees. And that's when we seek out God, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is when we're in that, you know, that proverbial rock bottom when every single person has gone out of our lives because we've made them all sick because of our behavior and, and what we've been doing and how many people we've hurt, you know, we're only left with the one entity that's going to save us. And that's God. And then we hit our knees and we surrender and we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand it. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that's going to save us. Right? I never, I never thought in a million years that Theo Fleury, the baddest motherfucker that was ever in the NHL, would I, I'd be having this conversation about God with. Yeah. But it is, it is so true, man. You know, like yeah. I said, I, I'm just getting my footing and reestablishing my my spiritual relationship right now. But what do, you, what do you, what do you think the lesson has been over the last four years? What is God trying to tell us? Oh, come to me, come yeah. to me, come the, to oh, me. Oh yeah, that was come that. To me. That was it. You know, like right? I, I, yeah, my it's it's kind of strange because you know i'm a writer by by trade right that's what i do and you know i i've been writing for 23 years and you know i'm i i had a i've had a solid following for a long time but nothing around april may june of of this year it was it went from like you know 5000 people writing my stuff reading my stuff to over a million people you've shared you shared a few of my essays and and so it's uh it like at that same time, I heard that, that calling in my head saying, Hey, this is where you need to be. And you need to be with me. This yeah. is, you know, that's, and that's God telling you, you need to be here with me yep. and I'm going to push you through this. The, 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 you know, it's like, uh, the, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible let the dead bury the dead. And that was basically the way I felt is I'm leaving the world of the dead and I'm going to the world. Yeah. Of the living, right. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm 40 well, you years. You got to go to the light. You got to go to the light. That's right. right. That's you right. Know, that's, that's, that's what we're being told. Yeah. Right. Go well, to the light. Go absolutely. to the light. Right. Yeah. Why is Bill Gates trying to block out the sun? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not hard to figure out, man. Like it's, 
it's, yeah it's not rocket science you know, you know it's how, not rocket science you know, you know we've been told we've been told for how long the sun is dangerous for us no no it is like bleach <laughs> yeah it is cleansing it cleanses the body right so yeah. you know um yeah that's my message to people now is get right with god whatever that is whatever god is to you right get right with that first mm-hmm. get right mm-hmm. with that first right surrender turn your will in your life over to the care of god as you understand him pray meditate listen to frequency get your vibration up as high as you possibly can because when you do that all this evil shit doesn't affect you at all that's it right doesn't, it doesn't affect you at all because you're living at a very you're living at a higher level right higher absolutely level. And, absolutely and don't and don't let people suck you back into that low vibration right yeah no absolutely you know it's and uh, by having these kind of conversations that's how you raise people's vibration because you get them thinking differently you go you know because you can look at my story fuck i had a gun in my mouth fucking 19 years ago gonna blow my fucking brains out yeah why because i couldn't live life on life's terms i didn't have any tools mm-hmm. right but when I chose to live and then I surrendered, God showed me all the tools I needed to get yeah. rid of this, this emotional pain and, and scars that were left behind from these traumatic experiences. And, you know, he gave me all this adversity at the beginning of my life for what? So that I would build resilience. And once you have resilience, there isn't anything you can't get through. Once you have resilience, mm-hmm. right? That's why God gives us these traumatic experiences in our life is to build resilient people. And what the bad guys are doing, and they don't even realize it, is they're giving us all this all this adversity. And so what are they doing? They're building resilience in us, mm-hmm. right? So it's counterproductive of what they really want to accomplish is they're building a whole resilient group of people on the planet and once you have resilience we can't be defeated cannot be defeated once we have resilience yeah that's that's and exactly if you don't have resilience after the last four years then you're probably not meant to be here yeah yeah no that's that's exactly why i think we're gonna win yeah you know well, and god wins ultimately god wins you know the bible the Bible predicted this. Here it is. We're, we're in it. The last battle is right here, right now. Good versus evil and good always wins, right? Yeah. And for, you know, for people listening, you know, uh, one of the, I, I'd say probably the most well-known um, verse in the Bible is John 3.16. But I, I encourage you to, to skip past that and go to John 3.19 through 21, because it's exactly what Theo was just talking about, you know, the the evil evil forces being afraid of the light right and god and god being the light and Mm -hmm. and when you're in the light yeah man i you know man i'm so glad i had this conversation with you because um you you just reinforced a lot of the things that i've been thinking in my mind and it's 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 difficult right because you know i'm 40 years old i'm halfway done my life and i feel like i'm just starting to live like i feel like i'm just learning to live yeah well, and once this is all said and done, you're going to be able to live as long as you want. Mm-hmm. 
right? Once yeah. all this evil has been eliminated and we're actually living heaven on earth, where you're going to be able to live as long as you want because there'll yeah. be no more disease. You know, there'll be, you know, there'll be all those cures that have been hidden for, you know, centuries are all going to come online, right? And you're going to be able to live as long as you want. Mm. Mm, right? yeah. yeah oh yeah so, so you know um you know there's a reason why you're you're fighting as hard as you can right now is because eternal life holy cow like that's to me that's pretty incredible right yeah. you know yeah yeah and that's the hope piece right like nobody's really selling hope like you know what i mean you know but there is hope right Just, yeah you know, give yourself to God, follow his path for you, you know, find your purpose in this life. And if you do that, then, then it's a life well lived. It's a life well spent. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally, man. Right? Totally. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so before we go, uh, do you have any, uh, events, any fire and ice events, talks coming up or anything anytime soon? Yeah. January 13th in Calgary here, we got Chris Sky uh in live studio audience which should be an interesting uh couple of hours uh chatting with him um but yeah just like if you uh would like me to come speak at an event just go to theoflurry.life right here theoflurry.life and uh get a hold of my wife and uh we'll uh we'll come and see you right awesome and i'm awesome. on all i'm on all social media platforms um and I always tell every podcast I'm on, if you're struggling and you don't have anybody to talk to, I said, you know, private message me and I guarantee I will get back to you within the half hour. So that's, that's amazing. And um, yeah, trust me, uh, everybody listening, Theo tweets the way he plays hockey, no holds barred. He's coming yeah. straight for you. Um, Theo, hang around for a second uh, after we're done recording. Uh, we'll say our goodbyes privately. But yeah. everybody, I really encourage you to go to to go to Theo's website. I just in preparation for for this discussion, I went and I watched most of the videos on your website. And man, there's so much to take from it. Um, you know, Theo Fleury is a guy who's lived five lifetimes, and <laughs> you know he's he's been beaten up, he's been knocked down, and he kept getting up and kept fighting. And and you know it's. Uh, I've been through some difficult times, you know, even recently, and and uh, it, it's it's very inspirational. If you're if you're struggling, if you're looking for answers, or even if you're just looking to listen to something other than people complaining, I highly recommend you go to Theo's site and, and watch his videos. Awesome, thanks, Theo. Thanks, brother.